Dear God, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to gather together and worship you. We come to this space from all different kinds of circumstances in life. Some of us have been feeling pretty good and others of us have been pretty beat down. What I love about this space is you meet each of us where we are, gently and lovingly drawing us to yourself, the place of peace, joy, and hope. That's what we need. We don't need me. We don't need more of ourselves. We just need more of you. So would your spirit move in our hearts and in this place today, we offer ourselves to you. We say we're willing. We thank you for loving us, for pursuing us, even when we are far from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome 930. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to those of you in Tremont joining us uh, at our campus up there. We're so glad and grateful for you. We love you, miss you. You're awesome, and you are awesome too. <laughs> I hope you had some coffee this morning. We're jumping into a message called I'm Holding On to Hope, and over the next couple weeks, what we're going to do is we're just going to lead right up to Easter. We're just going to um, take some, 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 some of the narrative, some of the story leading up to what we celebrate on Easter, and we're going to talk about it and kind of, and, and today we're jumping into a place where Jesus starts to have some, well, he's been having some serious conversations with the disciples, but he's preparing them for what's about to happen. They don't know what's coming, and it would be real important for them because they don't know what's coming. It would be real important for them to know where their hope lies, and it would be important for them to hold on to hope. And that's what the topic, the title of this message is this morning, I'm holding on to hope. Let me just read the passage that we're going to be kind of talking about this morning. It's found in John chapter 16, and verse 16, um, all the way through the end of that chapter. It says this, it says, Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. Pretty simple, right? Like that's not, not too complicated. Uh, I, I'm going away for a little bit, and then I'll be back. I'm gonna go run to the store. That's not what he was going, but like this is what I like my, in my life, and yes, this is a pinkish sweatshirt, in case you're, I know so many of you are wondering. I've gotten asked like six times, is that, <laughs> this morning, and uh, it wasn't that complicated. In a little while, you will see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me. At this, some of his disciples started to say to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean, a little while? So like us, right? We want to figure out all the details and all the mysteries to life. We want to have it all wrestled down, understand how to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and put a period at the end of it. It's just who we are. We want to, we want to eliminate all the mystery and all the beauty so we can rationalize and understand and calculate everything as we plan out our lives. We don't understand what he's saying. 
Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, here's the moment where they probably wished they hadn't asked. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman given birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. That sounds nice. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have asked, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. It's pretty heavy on the good stuff about joy in here, right? Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. And that day, you will ask in my name, I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world, and now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things, that, that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions this makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming and in fact has come when you'll be scattered each to your own home. You'll leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father's with me. It's a little prophetic statement here um, about what happens when we celebrate Good Friday, about how all the disciples deserted Jesus and left. But, and, and then this kind of famous verse at the end, 33, if you, if you don't know this verse, it's one to like highlight and circle and write it down somewhere to remember. I use it often. It's the kind of verse you need to scribble on a mirror like in lipstick, like you're crazy, right? Like it's just that good. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace and in this world in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We overcomplicate things all the time, don't we? <laughs> Do you ever lose the point because you're overcomplicating a conversation? We take, we, we take, we're really good at taking simple things and simple truths and simple conversations we have with people and we overcomplicate it. The, the point of this passage here in the beginning is so simple. Like, I'm, I'm going, things are going to get bad, but they're going to get better. You're going to have some tough days ahead, but that's not the end of your story. Like, what Jesus is infusing into these people is a reality check infused with hope. It's not just reality without hope, it's reality with hope. Hope. In a little while, I'm going to not see you anymore, but then I'm going to see you again. This is a time where you're going to grieve, 
But there's joy at the end of it. There's a reason to hold on in the middle of whatever garbage you're going through right now. We overcomplicate it. We miss stuff all the time. We, I think, I think what, here's what I think what happens. I think it happens in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships. I think it happens, I think it happens everywhere, right? Like, we have to listen. Guys, don't nod in agreement to this if you're sitting next to your special someone, right? Just like blank stare me. We have to listen to what someone is saying to us. Doesn't matter if it's really important, if it's, if it's a matter of having a great day or terrible, doesn't matter how important it is. We like have to pay attention because we're absorbed in our own thoughts, in our own worlds, in what our own plans are and what we want to see. We have to pay attention to what is being said, and then we catch the bad stuff. <laughs> that, that grabs our attention and pulls us out of the fog, and we hear only the negative kind of stuff. And when, because we weren't paying attention to the whole thing, we let the negative parts of the conversation play on our fears. Our fears have us running scared and attention to the conversation, and then that tension it escalates and escalates and escalates until we can finally come out of it and get a little bit of a reality check to catch the whole circumstance that's going on, to catch all of the news that we should have caught to begin with. I wonder if that's what's happening with the disciples here. They've been kind of half paying attention. They're half locked in. They're sort of listening. And what they're catching from Jesus is the part that they that, that sparks the fear in them. It's the trouble part. It's the grief part. It's the I'm leaving you part. We overcomplicate things when we don't really listen. It, it applies to every aspect of life. Life has a way of adding complication and confusion. We gotta fight to keep things simple. I have in the front of every Bible that I preach from, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have a bunch of Bibles like this, and they have different covers, uh, colors, but I have, I have in every one of my Bibles that I preach from a little reminder in the beginning. It says, be simple and clear. We gotta fight to keep things simple because life is constantly trying to complicate things and playing on our fears and it's adding and and you throw in there the enemy adding confusion to our lives and this is a problem that the disciples have all the way to the end in Luke 24 after his resurrection in verse 38 Jesus says why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart i think we have expectations you throw in a little bit of confusion to why those expectations aren't being met and then questions just arise. It happens in every aspect of life. You have a young couple, right? And they expect marriage to be this beautiful uh, fairy tale of a thing. They're so excited to tie the knot and, and move on with life in this next chapter and you can see it in their eyes. You don't want to spoil it for them. So you gently try to remind them, like, hey, life isn't a fairy tale and neither is marriage. Love isn't what defines the success 
of your relationship, work is, the expectations that you have coming into this thing are gonna be shattered and maybe it'll take a week or a month or a year But when it's shattered, it shouldn't throw confusion into your relationship. It it makes us ask, did I make a mistake? Was this the right person? Did I get it wrong? Did I even know this person, right? Like it it throws the questions into life. It it throws the the doubts in there. But it shouldn't make us, it's, it's just our expectations. We only heard what we wanted to hear. We didn't see the whole picture. And so when our expectations are shattered, it adds confusion and our confusion births questions. Why does this job not turn out the way I wanted to? Maybe I shouldn't have taken this career path. Maybe I shouldn't have studied this in college. Maybe I took, made a wrong decision in life. Maybe I should have, I don't know. Life adds complication, but Jesus adds clarity. You see, it says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of confusion or disorder, some of your translations might say there, but of peace. You see, what Jesus is trying to add here is it would be essential for their hope as they are about to go through some pretty difficult times. What he adds here is a a realistic look at what their life is going to look like and a reminder of the hope that they have no matter what happens. I, I hope this doesn't apply to you. I hope you can't relate. I really hope that none of us have some really bad and difficult days ahead and challenges that we're going to face. But I know that life is complex and it complicates things. We have to fight to keep things simple and life can get confusing and painful. Jesus adds clarity. The enemy adds confusion. The enemy sows fear and doubt. The enemy wants to destroy you and tear you down and steal the good from you. The enemy wants you to be defeated. The enemy wants you so confused that you're lost, so so beat down by life that you feel like you can't go on. The enemy wants your vision so clouded that you can't see the hope anymore, that you can't see what you're holding on to. The enemy wants you to feel so isolated and alone. Jesus adds clarity and brings peace. And I don't know if you need this reality check today. Life is going to be difficult, but you can have hope. You can know this hope. You can hold on to this hope. No matter how difficult or how confusing or how painful it comes, Jesus adds peace. Peace does not come from trying to get through it yourself. Peace does not come from trying to manage your circumstances to make them better on your own strength. Peace does not come from having all the answers figured out. Peace does not come from having this roadmap of life planned so you know which steps to take and where those steps will lead you. Peace does not come from that. Peace comes from Jesus. There's, there's a lot of difficult stuff in this passage, but there's a lot of good too. Don't miss the good because your fears are playing on the negative. 
now may be your time of grieving, but your grief will one day turn to joy. Have you lived that? And that joy is directly tied to the hope that you have, that death is not the end of your story. Now may be your time of pain, but your pain won't last forever. You see, Jesus adds peace in this reality check for the disciples, but this other point that he just is kind of hitting over and over and over again is now is not. Just because you're going through a difficult time right now does not mean that difficult time will last forever. Now is not forever. Your circumstances may be broken down and it may be making you bitter right now. It may be difficult right now, but now is not forever. You may be lost and grieving right now, but now is not forever. It's not forever. Our current circumstances are not forever. Tough days, not forever. Conflict, it's not forever. Pain of betrayal, it's not forever. The loneliness you feel because like nobody gets you or understands you or feels like you don't have anybody there for you, it's not forever. Yet Jesus is in preparing the disciples for unimaginable pain. And he's saying, listen, your peace comes from me. I'm gonna add clarity so you can hang on to hope in the middle of it. And remember that now is not forever. And I don't know who needs to hear that, but I feel like somebody really does. I know how much I've needed to hear it in the difficult days when I felt like my circumstances were trashed and never gonna, never gonna be better. I've needed to, to hear it when I've, Stayed awake at night, unable to sleep because anxiety was gripping my heart. All the things, all, all the things pulling in so many different directions. I've needed to hear it walking through my own journey of grief. Now is not forever. The forever part is joy and peace. You see, I have hope. So I can hold on to it on the difficult days. I can hold on to it when things get difficult. I can hold on to it even though it feels like nothing else is working and I don't have any answers. I can hold on to hope because I know who Jesus is. And I'm hearing all that he has to say about me and about life. So I'm going to Hang on to hope. It's like a declaration that you don't really have the muscle for all the time. Like it's something we got to cry out in the middle of the confusion, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the complexity of life. It's something we kind of kind of like stick our flag in the ground. It may be difficult today, but I know it's not the end of my story. I'm going to hang on to hope. It may be painful. I may not know how I'm going to get out of bed and walk to the kitchen tomorrow but I'm gonna hang on to hope. I don't know how this relationship is gonna end, but I'm gonna hang on to hope. I'm declaring it today. My hope is not placed in myself. 
My hope is not placed in some other person. My hope is not placed in my intellect or my understanding. My hope is not placed in my motivation. Or My hope is placed and planted in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.10, this is such a great verse. It says this, on him we have set our hope. He will deliver us again. The verse before that, Paul's like, man, we've been through some stuff. Doesn't, it's not, he doesn't, that's not a direct quote, right? Like, you with me this morning? <laughs> it's been awful. <laughs> it's been awful. And, and his encouragement to the church that is being beat down and persecuted is, things have been terrible. <laughs> Great pep talk. But I'm going to set my hope upon Jesus. Because as terrible as it was, he delivered us before. I'm going to set my hope on Jesus because I know that even if it looks terrible again, he will deliver us again. It's a hope set on Jesus. What have you been setting your hope on? It's easy to drift and set our hope on people and things and our own ability. There's a little gut check here before we start celebrating what is the most hopeful thing, the, the center of it all, the only reason we're here. We're, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion on the cross for the atonement of our sins, and, and it's a beautiful time. But if you haven't set your hope on him, your hope is empty. And it's going to fail you. Probably in the moments you need it the most. I'm going to hold on to hope. How about you? I'm going to hold on to hope no matter what happens next. I'm going to hold on to hope even if life gets confusing. I'm going to hold on to hope even if trouble awaits me. I'm going to hold on to hope. And my hope placed in Jesus will not disappoint. Now is not forever, but he is. I've used that verse at the end of this chapter so many times, I feel like if you've come here at all, you've probably heard it before in one of, one of the sermons. I've used that because I think sometimes we get this idea that becoming a Christian or following Jesus means life will be easy. I think it's perpetuated by certain voices out there that would kind of say like, hey, if you do all the right things, life's going to be better. If you show up to church every Sunday, well, then everything's going to be great. If you tithe or give, you're not going to have any problems. God's going to bless you with more. And they, they take these like, some, some, some of them, they have some truths at the center of them, but they kind of like make it feel like if, you, if, you're, if life's falling apart, if, if it's difficult, if you're hurting, then it must be something wrong with your spiritual walk. That's not the reality that Jesus taught. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Now, there's some really great points that people take those off of and kind of twist a little bit to make them seem really favorable for whatever agenda they have. But 
Like Jesus was saying, you're going to have trouble, but you can take heart because I have overcome. He doesn't say because you can overcome. It's not because he says, I'm going to get you tough enough so that you'll be able to handle it. It's not you overcome. He says, you're going to have trouble, but you can take heart. You can take your heart back. You can take your heart back from despair. You can take your heart back from loneliness. You can take your heart back from depression. You can take your heart back. You can take your heart back because I have overcome on your behalf. This isn't about how we overcome, how we make ourselves better, how we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's not about how we can atone for ourselves. It's not about how we can fix it. It's about him overcoming for us and us living in the grace that he offers us. It's about us just walking close enough to him to experience the beauty and the benefit that comes from knowing him. There's a whole lot of Christians who I think feel empty. It's not because what Christ has done for them is insufficient. It's because they haven't been walking close enough to him to really experience all he wants to do in their life. I want to grow in peace. I don't want to grow in conflict. We're growing in something all the time. I don't want to grow in my confusion. I want to grow in the clarity of who he is and what he's done for me. I don't want to grow in despair. I want to grow in joy. And it is tightly tied to me seeking him and finding him and being near him. There's this woman who had tried everything in the New Testament, the story goes. She had tried absolutely everything and she had been plagued with this disease that had caused her bleeding and you get the picture that she, in the telling in the Gospels that she had literally exhausted every, everything because of this disease and its effect on her body in Jewish culture, she was considered an outcast. Had not been allowed to come and worship at the temple like everybody else because she was viewed as unclean. And so talk about lonely and despair when you've tried everything and it didn't work. When you can't even be close to people or because they're kind of keeping you at arm's distance because the struggle that you have has tainted you in their view. This woman has struggled for years and years and years with what I imagine would, would have been a, a very uncomfortable, if not painful, physical plight. But she had heard that Jesus was coming to town and she had heard the stories about this Jesus and somewhere inside of her, hope had not died. It sparked when she thought, I wonder if I could just get close enough to Jesus. I wonder if I could just get close enough to Jesus if he could heal me. Jesus was going to do another healing and there was a massive crowd around him. They were all packed in tight. And this woman who was suffering from this disease pushed through the crowds in the streets and thought, if I could just grab the hem of his cloak. I have one of these like prayer shawls back 
in my office. They're pretty cool. They, people in Jewish culture would wear them, and they would have like tassels hanging down. Some of the translations would say the tassel of what we think is was not just his robe, but his prayer shawl. They're, they're pretty neat. I can show you later. Actually, don't all come to my office. That would be awkward. And I'm not going to wear it because maybe I should have. Anyway, like <laughs> she forces herself through the crowd and Jesus isn't even really paying attention. And she just touches the cloak, the hem of the garment, the tassel maybe of Jesus's shawl. Jesus, he feels the power go out of him. This is such a cool story. He turns around, he says, who touched me? Who touched me? I can imagine her embarrassment. She probably tried to shrink back into the shadows. After all, year after year of hearing how unclean she was, year after year of people judging her, year after year of people making her feel like an outcast, you know, she probably tried to hide and sink into the shadows, right? Like, we, do, we know what that feels like. We do that. Sink into the shadows and go slip away unnoticed. But there she was. They found her. It was this woman. And he looks at her and he says, your faith has made you clean. Man, it's just about getting close enough to Jesus. I'm holding on to hope. And the closer I get to Jesus, the, the, the more I walk with him, the more I invite him into every area of my life, the more that hope isn't just some, some flag I stick in the ground. It's not some declaration that I declare, praying that one day I will get to experience the reality of it. The closer I get to Jesus, the more that hope is a reality that seeps through my very existence. It's something that I can feel and taste in the pit of life. It's something that I can experience in the depth of grief. I can hold on to hope because I know who Jesus is. I don't gotta do anything. I don't gotta overcome anything because he already overcame it all. I just need to get as close as I can to him. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Revelations 1.18, it says that he holds the keys. He is life. And he holds the keys to death and Hades. And my prayer for you this Easter season is that you're just not declaring I'm holding on to hope, but that you're experiencing that hope and the reality of it infused through your life because this Easter season you are setting aside all of the distractions and all of the chaos of life. You're setting aside your own agenda, your own desires, and what you are seeking is more of him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that we can hold on to hope, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of who you are. I am so excited to celebrate the cross and resurrection. Without it, this faith is a waste of time. But because of it, we have a hope that no one can steal. We have a hope that can't be beat out of us. We have a hope that is forever. Thank you doesn't seem like enough. But it's all we have to offer you in these songs we're gonna sing. It's all we have to offer you as we 
walk out of here knowing that your grace is sufficient for us, that no matter what life looks like, we have hope because of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.